0: Let's take our Bibles at this time. We're going to turn to the Book of Colossians, chapter number one. Colossians, chapter one. We've been now a couple of weeks looking at this epish, epistle to the churches or the church at Colossae, and um, really what we've been considering is as as Paul has been greeting them, uh, he's been encouraging them with the reality that he prays for them continually and and uh, the things that he is rejoicing about that God has done in their lives, and the testimony that they have, and what he is praying for them. Last week we looked at uh, those verses in, in 10 and 11 where he tells them that he wants them to walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, that he wants them to be filled with the knowledge of the Lord's will. And today we're going to pick it up here in verse number 12. So if you are in Colossians 1... And uh, you're able to stand with me. Let's do that as we read beginning in verse number 12. Colossians 1 verse 12 says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. I want to go back and look at the beginning of verse number 12 again, and notice that he says, giving thanks unto the Father. And I want to just preach to you this morning on being thankful for God's work in our lives. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, this morning, as we look into your word, I pray that we would not just read through these verses and just kind of glaze over and gloss over the truth, but Lord, may we be reminded in a very vivid way what you have done for us who are in Christ, and help us, Lord, to be ever more grateful for the things that you have done and the things that you have promised to us, and we ask this now in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. In this particular chapter, I mentioned that Paul's theme to this point has been writing about his rejoicing for uh, these believers in Christ and their testimony and what God has done. He's told them how how he continually thanks the Lord and praises the Lord for what God has done in their lives. Last week, we looked at verses 9-10. Uh, 11 uh, which says in the beginning of verse number nine for this cause we also since the day we heard it do not cease to pray for you and to desire that and he goes on over the next few verses there describing what it is that he's praying for them we're desiring that god would do this in your life he talks about being filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that they would walk worthy of the Lord unto all, pre, unto all pleasing, that they would be fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, and that they would be strengthened with all might, that they would have the grace of God upon their lives. But when we come to verse number 12, uh, he mentions these words, giving thanks unto the Father. Now, he's not just saying that he is giving thanks, because he's already described the gratitude that he is giving to God, but he's actually admonishing now these believers, these saints to be grateful and to show gratitude in their lives for what the Lord has done. This is a a kind of a commandment, if you will. Strengthened with all might, verse 11. Notice verse 11 ends not with a period, but with a semicolon. And punctuation's important, isn't it? Because this is a continuation of thought. He's saying, I am... Praying that you would be these things, that you would, verse 12, give thanks unto the Father. And folks, do you know that it is God's will for us to be a grateful people? For to be for us to be people of thanksgiving. In fact, the Bible even tells us that we are to give thanks in everything, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We are to be a thankful people. Now, I, I mentioned earlier that this is Thanksgiving week and primarily this isn't really a Thanksgiving message it's just where we happen to be uh, in our study of the book of Colossians but I do believe that this is a very valuable thing for us to just stop and ponder for a moment because it's one thing for us to say we ought to be grateful and we ought to give thanks to the Lord Why would we do that? What is there that we can be thankful for? I know that we could go on and list many things that God has done for us. And truly, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, nor shadow of turning. Any good thing in your life, it comes from God. And you have reason to be thankful and grateful to Him. But in this particular context, there are some specific things... ...that Paul tells us that we are to be thankful for and giving thanks to the Lord for in our lives. I want you to notice that he begins by talking about an inheritance. He says in verse number 12, giving thanks unto the Father... ...which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He says that we ought to give thanks to God because God has done such a work in our lives... That he has actually enabled us and changed us into people that would be worthy of an inheritance from the Lord. Now, we understand that we are not worthy of anything that God gives to us. The very best that we can offer God is like filthy rags in his sight, even our righteousnesses, right? There's nothing that we can do to make ourselves worthy. But I want you to notice in verse 12 that he says we're to give thanks to the Father because he has made us meet or fitting or worthy to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Did you know that God has promised to those who know Christ, he has promised us an inheritance? Whenever I think of the word inheritance, I get this, picture in my mind and it's probably silly it probably comes from the movies or something but but I get this idea of you know some some uh, guy who's kind of struggling financially in his life and you know he gets a phone call that he's supposed to go down to this attorney's office and and, and he's there for the reading of a will. And he finds out that his, his uncle, you know, his rich uncle, left him everything, this great fortune. And he's received this inheritance that changed his entire life, you know. I know that's a silly thing, but that's kind of what comes to my mind when I think of an inheritance. It's kind of that, you know, a financial windfall. It's something that's passed on to you that could change your life. But actually, in the biblical sense, in a spiritual sense, we have an inheritance that is far greater than any of that. We have an inheritance that is, that, that is not temporal and is not of this world. Hold your place here in Colossians 1 and go with me, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter number 1. And here we, we find another description of what the Lord has done uh, in our lives and, and what he has given to us. 1 Peter chapter 1, we'll begin reading in verse number 3. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again, we've been born again, unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Listen to this, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away Reserved in heaven for you. What's he talking about? He's saying that there is an inheritance that awaits us as God's children. That there is coming a day when, when this life is over and we will go to be with the Lord, and in that place we will have an inheritance that is, what does it say? Incorruptible, and it's undefiled, and it fadeth not away. You know, the thing uh, that happens here in this life, in this earth, is everything that we have is going to fade away and vanish someday. Uh, you, could, you could have the nicest house in the county. Someday it's going to fall apart and decay. Your clothes someday are going to break down and decay. The, the, the dollars that you have in your bank account, someday they're not going to be worth anything. <laughs> How do I know that? They're already not worth as much as they used to be, right? I mean, we we find this stuff, even, even things like precious metals and gold and silver, those things eventually break down and decay. This world passeth away. Someday this world is going to be burned up and everything that we have is going to be gone. However, in heaven, there awaits us an inheritance that will never fade away. It is incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away and I love that word reserved in heaven for you it's set aside with your name on it we understand that Jesus said that that in his father's house were many mansions and he said I go to prepare a place for you I'm thankful that Jesus is preparing a place for me and in that place I have inheritance I, I'm thankful that I Uh, ...am able to be an heir of God. This is so difficult for me to even fathom. According to Romans chapter 8... ...I am a child of God... ...but not just a child... ...I am His heir. And I am a joint heir with Christ. Did you know that biblically speaking... Jesus Christ, He is our Savior, He is our King, He is our Lord, but did you know He's actually not our Father in the truest sense of the word? God the Father is our Father. Jesus, as His Son, is, spiritually speaking, our brother. And therefore, we are joint heirs with Him. When I die... My children will receive whatever I have. Sorry, guys, it won't be much. And then you split it seven ways. (laughs) Go get yourself a nice candy bar or something, you know. They'll receive whatever I have. It'll be divided between them. They are joint heirs of mine. But because of Christ and his sacrifice for me... I am a joint heir with him. I am a joint heir with he who will receive the reward, the inheritance of nations. God the Father said to him in Psalm 2, Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance. He he is receiving a reward of the nations. He will inherit the earth. And guess what? You and I, who know Christ, are joint heirs with him. I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. We have an inheritance. You might be the poorest person on earth today. It really doesn't matter. If you know Christ, you have more than this world could ever offer you. You ought to be thankful for that and grateful. Giving thanks to the Father... Which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. Notice this though. The inheritance of the saints in light. Have you ever stopped and thanked God for the fact that he has given to you light? He's given to you clarity. He's given to you understanding. Did you know that God's people are a people of light? The world lies in darkness. The world lies in confusion. The world is bound up in lies and deceit. But we have light and we have truth because of the Lord. He has, he has opened our eyes to his truth. 1 John chapter number 1 and verse 7 says that if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. God's people are a people of light. Go with me, if you would, back, we're in Colossians 1, just a few pages back to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. As we go through our study on the book of Colossians, we're going to be cross-referencing the book of Ephesians quite a bit. Because these two epistles actually have an awful lot in common. And there are a lot of similarities between them. And... Uh, in Colossians, or Ephesians, rather, in chapter 5, notice what it says in verse number 8. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. And then he admonishes us, walk as children of light. <laughs> in other words, when you got saved, your position changed. Now your disposition needs to change. Uh, You were in darkness, now you've been brought into light. Now you're to walk as children of light. Walk in that way that is pleasing to the Lord. But notice what he says, that ye were sometimes darkness. Jesus asked the question, if the the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Do you know, even as as a young man who grew up in church and grew up around the truth, there was a time that spiritually I was no different than a blind man. I, was, I, I, I wasn't just in darkness. According to this, I was darkness. I mean, my very essence, my very being was darkness until the light of the gospel shined into my heart and opened my eyes to the truth. I was dead in my trespasses and sins and God awakened me and gave me understanding and He gave me light. I love that song. One of my favorite hymns in our hymnal, And Can It Be. The last verse, that third verse of the song, what does it say? Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. Do you remember what that was like when God just opened your eyes and you saw it? You saw your sin. You saw your condition before him. You realized for the first time really deep in your soul that my only hope is the Lord Jesus Christ. And you called upon him and he saved you. And what happened? He brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now he has given to you clarity, light, understanding, and he calls us to walk as children of light. Friend, we ought to be grateful for that. We ought to be thankful for that. Notice what he says in the very next verse, Colossians 1. He says in verse 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. He's delivered us from the power of darkness. We, we've been set free. We have been given liberty in Christ. Go with me to the book of Acts, chapter 26, if you will. Acts 26, the Apostle Paul is recounting uh, God's calling upon his life. And and as he does, he he makes mention of really what his ministry is to be. Acts chapter 26, and look with me at verse number 18. This is what, what God said Paul's mission was. Acts 26, verse 18. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Boy, this sounds an awful lot like the passage that we just read. God said to Paul, I am sending you to... Preach the gospel so that their eyes can be opened, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. So that's what he sent Paul to do. What was the result of that ministry? Well, Colossians chapter 1, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Exactly what God had called him to do. That's what was happening in people's lives. And by the way, 2,000 years later, that's exactly what happened to me. And if you know Christ, that's what happened to you. Your eyes were open, and you were delivered from Satan's power. Do you know that prior to salvation, you were under the control of Satan? And his kingdom. Walking in the flesh because you had not the spirit. You and I did the exact same thing that every other lost person does. We walked according to the prince of the power of the air. We walked as his children because we were his children. And the deeds of our father we did. We were under his control. We were under his thumb. We were his servants and his slaves. But then Christ entered the picture. And he loosed those bonds. And he set us free. And he gave us truth. And he translated us out of Satan's kingdom where we were citizens. And he made us his children citizens of his kingdom. And he set us free. Free from the power of darkness and free from the bondage of sin. Over in Romans chapter 6, the Bible says in verse 11, verses 11 through 14, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God, "...through Jesus Christ our Lord, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye yourselves members, or your members, as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God, as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Listen to this, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace." I have been delivered and set free. And if you know Christ, you have too. You ought to thank God for that. We ought to rejoice together in that God has given us an inheritance. He's given us truth and light. He's given us freedom and set us uh, free and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. as we go back to Colossians chapter 1, I want you to notice that he has also given to us a place to belong. He's given to us a place to belong. Verse number 13 it says this, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Christian friend, you belong You are God's child and a citizen of His kingdom. You are accepted in Him and among us. I find it tragic that so much of the world today is confused and lost and looking for a place to belong. So many people feel that they're just on the outs. They don't fit anywhere. Uh, they, they can't find peers that they have anything in common with. And we find all kinds of problems that are coming out of this where people are kind of banding together for the wrong reasons. In fact, a lot of the, the major crime problems and gang uh, problems that are taking place in our inner cities really stem back to this issue of people feeling like, I need a place where I fit and where I am accepted. And I just want you to know, in Christ, you are accepted. You don't need to go looking for it elsewhere. You are accepted in Him, and you are accepted among the brethren. Go back to Ephesians once again, just a few pages back, Ephesians 1. And notice what he says, and I know we're looking at a lot of Scripture this morning. The reason is because I want to show you what God says About your position in Christ. We're talking about being thankful and giving thanks to God for what he has done in us. He's given us an inheritance. He's given us light and truth. He's given us liberty, but he's also given us citizenship. A place to belong. Look at verse number 6. It says, to the praise of the glory of his grace... Wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Isn't it good to know that in Christ we have a place that we belong? A place where we are accepted? And listen, that's this acceptance It's not based upon your personality or your social status or your success or any of those things. This acceptance is based solely on the blood of Christ. You have a right. In Christ, you have a right to be part of his kingdom. I'm thankful for that. And and, and I just want you to know, here in, in God's house, there ought to be a spirit of acceptance and love among us. Why? Well, because God's accepted us. If the Lord accepted me, then you have no right to turn me away. And if the Lord accepted you, I have no right to turn you away. We're accepted in the beloved. We ought to love one another. We have a place to belong. Thank you, Lord, for making me your child. Thank you, Lord, for making me part of your kingdom. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom, that's in his Son, in whom we have, listen to this, redemption. Redemption. Through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. The word redemption, it's the same word we use, redeem, or redeemed. To redeem means to claim ownership of. It means to purchase. Did you know that Christ has purchased you with his own blood? He has redeemed you. As his child, you are his. I belong to him. He owns me. I have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Aren't you thankful that you have received God's forgiveness? Sometimes I think we fail to really appreciate the forgiveness that we have received because we fail to really see the gravity and weight of our sin. The truth is, friend, that you and I have betrayed God. We have rejected Him. We have been His enemies. We have gone astray. We have turned to our own way. We have gone after false gods and idols in our hearts. We have followed after the things that repulse and, 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 and turn God away. And yet, in spite of all of that, He's offered to us forgiveness. I have never seen, on a human level, such an absolute willingness to let go of harm and hurt. I, I've known some very forgiving people. I've known people who have been betrayed. I've known people who have been damaged by others and have found the grace to forgive. But the truth is, on a human level, every one of us has a breaking point we have some point where we just say i can't (laughs) i can't just keep on forgiving i think that was where peter's question came from okay lord how many times in a day can my brother trespass against me and i forgive him till seven times i mean how many times can i be hurt and continually forgive and jesus said not till seven times but till seventy times seven just just keep on forgiving and and why is that so hard for us because Even a kind and generous and forgiving person has a limit. But God has no limit to His forgiveness. Christ shed His blood and paid for sin. Not for one time or ten sins or a hundred sins or or five million sins. There was no limit to the grace and mercy of God. He shed His blood on that cross and cried out, It is finished. And through His blood, we can have forgiveness of sins. Boy, I'm thankful for God's forgiveness. I'm thankful that it has no limit. That that there's no point that God says, that's enough. I am done. No, through His blood, we have forgiveness. We were just in Ephesians 1. We looked at verse 6, but verse 7 says, In whom we have redemption. Through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. But I do want to remind you that this forgiveness is only, it is conditional upon one thing, and that is the blood of Christ. You see, so many people are trying to find God's forgiveness through their own penance. I know I've wronged God, I know I've sinned, I know I've done some things I shouldn't do, so I'm going to go about trying to make myself acceptable to God so that He will forgive me. Friend, true forgiveness, true redemption doesn't come through anything but the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood that was shed on your behalf and mine. Jesus, you may remember that last, at that last supper with His disciples when he instituted that observance of the Lord's table, held the cup, that which was symbolic of his blood. He said, this is, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for the remission of sins." All throughout the Old Testament, God taught us that sin must be paid for by the shedding of blood. And you read through the Old Testament and you find specific ways in which animals were to be sacrificed and, and slain. And that blood was to be spilled out. The blood was to be uh, eventually placed upon the altar as an atonement for sin. Because only blood could make an atonement for sin. Jesus shed his blood once and for all to make atonement for your sin, and for my sin. And friend, to to trust in anything else for our forgiveness is to count the blood of Christ as nothing. If there was any other way that you could be saved other than Christ shedding His blood for you, why would He not have done that? But he died and he shed his blood so that you could be forgiven. So that I could be forgiven. And yet so often I believe that we, I know I, become callous and cold and kind of indifferent. To the great price that's been paid on my behalf. I forget that my sin put Christ on the cross. I know he went there willingly. And he laid down his life. But he did it and had to do it because I'm a sinner. And because you're a sinner. And that was the only way that we could be forgiven. And God so loved the world that he was willing to pay the price. So that we could be saved. And friend, let us not get through a day without stopping. To give thanks unto the Father. which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Friend, are you grateful for what God has done in your life and is doing in your life today? Are you thankful that you can have, that you have, The assurance of salvation. Your sins are forgiven. If you know Christ, if you've received Him as your Lord and Savior, you are forgiven. You are accepted. You belong to Him. You are part of His kingdom. And there is an inheritance awaiting you when this life is over. Are you thankful to God for that inheritance?